Glad to be in the house with you. Dover, how you feeling today? Feeling pretty good? Milford, how you doing today? I love y'all. And those tuning in online, welcome today. It is Memorial Day weekend, and I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment that we can honor the freedoms that we have today, that we can honor the fact that we're able, that's right, that's right. We're able to come into this house today because many people gave their lives for that freedom. Many sacrificed, many families sacrificed, many wives didn't have husbands come home, many children didn't have fathers and mothers come home, many husbands lost wives, and we have that freedom today for their sacrifice. So when you take a moment tomorrow, in the midst of hanging out with family, enjoying beautiful weather. Whisper a prayer for those families that gave it all, that we can enjoy what we have. One more round of applause for our servicemen. So I'm happy to be with you today. It is week three of Better Decisions, Few Regrets. How many have enjoyed some good, good word? Pastor Kenneth has been bringing the heat, challenging us giving us things to take with us so that we can walk into what God has for us. And, and I'm excited today to be with you, to have the privilege to be on the stage and, and preach to you just a little bit of what I feel God's laid on my heart. But I must say, I have to preface this with a little bit of a story. So it's summer 2001, 17 years old, just graduated high school. I'm on my way to visit family in New York, New York City. Uh, so super excited. And one of those days we decide, hey, we're going to go work out. We decide to go to a boxing gym in the Bronx. And this boxing gym is everything you think about when I say the Bronx. Paint is peeling off the wall. There's this gringy smell. It's just gritty when you walk in just the way I like it. So I go in this gym and I'm super excited. I'm, again, 17 years old, fresh out of high school, last summer before college. And I say, cool, let's go in there. And I see people in there and you know, all my 17 year olds and when you channel when you were 17, I was feeling like I'm about to have my peacock moment, right? I'm strutting in there. So I go in there, I get on the bench press, trying to show out. I see people on the pull-up bar. I decide I'm going to do some one-arms, right? So I'm just, I'm feeling myself. I am hashtag feeling myself before Instagram was even a thing. I was was ahead of the game. So I'm in there, and there's this guy working the heavy bag. Guy's about 215 pounds, solid, working the heavy bag. Then he starts going around. Gets in the ring, has a sparring session. Then he's done, or his partner's done, and he starts looking around the gym. Hey, can you spar with me? Hey, can you get in with me? Again, this guy is 215 and solid. And everybody's saying, no, 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 thank you. You're good. He comes back to me. Hey, my man, you you, want to come spar with me? I was like, bro, you're good, man. You're good. No, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Goes around again. Hey, you want to spar with me? No, I'm good. And he said, hey. I won't hit you. I just need some work. I just want to move around the gym, work up a sweat. I said, nah, I'm good. He goes, I bet you're not fast enough. I said, excuse me? (laughs) Give me some gloves. So I asked for gloves. There we go. What's a good message without an illustration? I asked for gloves. So I have family in there with me. They're, hey, David, are you sure? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I got this. He's not going to hit me. I'm going to go at it. We're going to have a good time. Good time. So I'm, you know, dun, dun, da, da, dun, da, da, da. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. So I get in the ring. Round one. Ding. I was floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. I was jab, jab, moving in, side to side, jab. 
uppercut hook. I, w- I was feeling great. I get to the corner, my little brother, he's 12. He's like, man, you're doing good, David. You're doing good. Wow, I, I-, I didn't know, but you're doing good. I'm good. I got it. I got it. I got it. Round two gets ready to start. To this day, I'm still trying to figure out what happened in round two. <laughs> so I square up. And I promise you, this guy knew when the bell was going to ring. He had the internal clock that I didn't have. And the minute the bell sounded, he landed the most vicious right hook I have ever experienced in my life on my left shoulder, and my arm went whoop. I looked down. I said, come on, guy. I said, my man, you don't know what you're doing. I'm out. (laughs) So I have three minutes of this, and I'm standing, I'm looking, and it, and that's not me bobbing, that's my head going back and I don't even see what's coming. And I'm going, how am I going to make it? How am I gonna get out of this? But I don't even have enough time to think because he hit me with everything. And midway through the round, I muster enough courage to swing my arm up. The feeling started coming back. So I swing it up and I said, there's no way this guy's hitting me in the face again. And I discovered in that moment, this man had another talent. This man, when he wasn't in the gym, was a percussionist because he played the bongos on every one of my ribs (laughs) while my hands were up here. And you might be thinking, David, what in the world? You're crazy, thank you, sir. That's wild, how how didn't you see that coming? How, How did you not know? It's insane. And I would tell you, you're probably right. I probably should have seen that coming. But you know what's wild? Is right before I got in the ring, I did have a moment. In between the few no's that I said, I had a moment that I said, there's no way. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't look right. Something bad can happen. Something can can hurt me. But the thing is, I dismissed that feeling. I I didn't stay in it. I didn't let it sit in my mind a little longer. And you see, we've all been there. Matter of fact, you've been there. A moment that checks you. A moment that you think this can't be good. A moment that you recognize is leading to a decision that might be questionable. Sometimes it happens in a split second. Sometimes it's a longer period of time that you have that moment. Regardless, the biggest thing that we must decide is what we do when we have those moments. So that's the question I want us to answer today. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? Is there a tension that deserves my attention? How do we handle those moments? How do we manage them? How do we know to lean in to what God desires for us? And today in answering that, we're gonna look at a young man in the Bible, a man named David. And we're gonna peek into a tension that he experienced and we're gonna Look to learn some things from him. So if you have your Bibles or your electronic devices, turn with me to 1 Samuel 24. We're going to read the first seven verses and you can look on the screen behind me to see that. Verse one, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of En Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. He went to use the bathroom. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. 
And the men of David said to him, here is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand. Then you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterwards, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he's the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Quick backstory here. David, young man that in previous chapters was anointed to be king. David, the young man that was called in to soothe Saul when he had a troubling spirit upon him. David, the young man that slew Goliath. This is that David, and we find him on the run. It was obvious David had favor on his life from God. I mean, his first introduction to the people of Israel was slaying Goliath. Matter of fact, he was so successful that they sang songs about him. They said, Saul has killed his thousands, David, his 10,000. So now fast forward to this cave. King Saul had become very jealous of David. He had tried killing him before and he was on a mission. Matter of fact, commissioned his best men to kill David. So here we are, several battles later, jealousy at an all-time high. Saul has murder on his mind. The anointed one who is to be king is on the run. And picture this, you can maybe reflect on life and know there's moments when you felt called and anointed by God to do a thing and it seemed like someone had murder on their mind. It could be possible that in a moment right now where you exist today, right now as we speak, that you feel God has placed something in, in your life, something for you to do, but it feels like someone has murder on their mind. Let's go back to the scripture, verse three again. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David, his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave and the men said to David, the men of David said to him, here's the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand. You shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. We know it says David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. It was clear that David's men wanted him to kill Saul. As we read, it's not even David who initiated the conversation. As we look, we see that David's men followed him. These were guys that were willing to die for him, to protect him, to go into battle for him. And I wonder, you probably have those same folks. Those same people that are locked arms with you, that will die for you, that will battle with you. And here they are, the bane of their existence, the reason why they're fugitives, the reason why they're on the run. Here they are, and the very person responsible is sitting right there. And I wonder what David said to them in the past. Hey, guys, I know we're on the run, but don't worry. When I get a chance, we'll get them. Guys, don't worry. I know we're on the run, but Lord anointed me to be king. Don't worry. The opportunity will present itself. When it comes time, we'll have a chance. I wonder how many times you have told friends of yours that are in your corner that are cheerleaders, don't worry, guys. Don't worry. I know it sucks right now, but we'll get a chance and I'll get them. Guys, don't worry. I, I, know, I know this has put you in a pinch. I know I come home complaining. I know I'm telling you of, of how this is difficult, this is challenging, but I promise you when there comes a moment, I'll get them. 
I'll get them. You will see. And here is a moment. Not the moment, but a moment. And all David's men could think about, David, this is what you've told us. David, this is, this is that time. David, this is, this is the, the moment that the, Lord, that the Lord set up. This is it. So much so that David felt compelled. How many times have you felt compelled to maybe do an action based on what the company you keep tells you? How many times have you maybe stepped up, stepped out because your company said, hey, this is that moment. All that talk you've said, it's here. Do it now. So David gets up. He moves. He moves. And what's wild is there's nothing that says why he didn't kill him. We just know he decides to cut off something. I wonder if he moved and knew he had to at least do something because of all the stuff he's told his company. And I wonder, do we step out and do things just because of all the things we tell our company? Those around us that we have to satisfy them because we've talked so much and now the moment is here and we, we have to move out. I wonder, I wonder. And here was that moment for David. But I think David learned something in a split second, something that we don't even read in the scripture, something I want to share with you, something that we can learn is don't let the company you keep write a check your actions can't afford to cash. Don't let the company you keep write a check your actions can't afford to cash. We have to be mindful. We have to be thinking through. David, in a moment, had to have determined, I was anointed, but is this that time? I was anointed, but is this the moment that God has set up for me? Was it David's place to kill the king, even if the king was trying to kill him? Is it our place to kill the things that sometimes come after us? Is it our place if God already set us on a path? Today, I want you to think, what path has God set you on? And if he set you on that path, it is his and his alone to destroy anything that stands in your way, not yours. So we learn from David, the first thing is we have to check your company. Check your company. Check your company. Moving on, rereading verse four. And the men of David said to him, here's the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterwards, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So here we are. David was encouraged to do what once upon a time may have seemed unthinkable. He was going to put an end to the running and being fearful for his life. David's thinking, kill the king, become the king. I'm ready. Easy, done. People love me. They want this too. Like I mentioned earlier, something happened. Something happened. When he cuts a piece of Saul's robe, David's heart was arrested. God struck it. God in that moment allowed David to experience a tension. Something that caught him dead 
in his tracks. Something that caused him to stop. Something that caused him to think. And today, you may be involved in attention. That something has arrested your heart. You've come here today not knowing what you're going to do with that tension. You've come here today not knowing what to do with that condition of your heart. You've come here today not knowing why you just can't move forward. Something's arrested your heart. You see, all signs point to you moving forward. They point to you taking that promotion, making that career decision, excommunicating that family member, walking away from your community, putting an end to the things you fought for. But are you willing to recognize and accept that your heart has been arrested? You see, one of the interesting things, and I, I, I think back to this moment, you know, saw, or excuse me, David cuts the robe. And I think about anyone sneak out of a house before? Sneak out of your house, let's put it that way. Let's keep it there. Or anybody woke up early not wanting to disturb who's in the home? And you know in your mind there's a checkpoint. In your home, you know it. If I cross that checkpoint and no one's stirred, I'll keep on going, right? I'm in the clear. And you know, you kind of creep, creep, creep slowly, slowly. And you either open that one door that always creaks and you feel like you've mastered the knob and the turn. And if it creaks and no one moves, you feel free to move forward. But if, but if it creaks and someone moves, you stop. Now, some of us don't care and move forward, right? Hey, well, I had to get up, I had to go, that's on them. And what's wild about that, we laugh because we understand it. And this is the catch when you, don't, when you don't stop and recognize when your heart's been arrested is that when there's not a, an immediate circumstance or an immediate consequence, you're like, sure, it must have been God. Because something that immediately happened when you move past the arresting of your heart, you quantify it by saying, then it was God. Because if it wasn't God, something would have happened to me. If it wasn't God, something would have caught me. If it wasn't God, some, somebody would have noticed. Because no one did, then I'm good to go. But the fact is you have to check your heart. You have to sit there. As a matter of fact, you have to consider your motivation. Consider your motivation with what you do when your heart has been arrested. Consider your motivation with, with what you do when, when you feel stopped in your tracks. You've been wrestling, you've been on the run, and, and it's not any fault of yours. But are you willing to risk what God has called you for? What he has prepared for you by making the decision to kill the thing that has stumbled into your cave? So how did David do it? I'm sure David reminded himself of a time that we get to read in 1 Samuel 23. And it says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, King Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. I'm sure David reminded himself of the day he was anointed. I'm sure David reminded himself of the day that he took the lion and the bear by, by the hair and struck them down. I'm sure David remind him, reminded himself of the Goliath that he was able to strike down. And what David did in a moment of his heart being arrested, I'm sure he spoke over himself 
the very things that God had already promised and had already done. So today, if you find your heart arrested and you're not sure and, and, and you're willing to wrestle, but, but you're willing to, to stop for a second, remind yourself what God has already spoken over you. Remind yourself of what he has already promised and delivered on to keep you from moving forward. Going further, verse six, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. David chooses to do the right thing. David chooses to do what is honoring. He didn't use Saul's behavior as an excuse to justify his own behavior, to become the very thing that was pursuing him. And you have to think, there was no way of David knowing when he would have to face Saul again. There would be no way of knowing if he'd have another moment. There would be no way of knowing if it would cost him in the future. Really not even knowing how his own men would respond to his command to not strike him down. But I ask you, just like David didn't know, just like where you find yourself today, you might not know. I wonder what would it have said about David's God if David would have lifted his sword and struck down Saul? And I wonder what does it say about your God when you move beyond what God is asking you to do? What do our actions demonstrate about the God you serve? What do your actions speak about in the God that you worship? How do you determine that your actions properly lift up the name of the Lord? You see, in that moment, David knew he wasn't God. And it wasn't for him to decide when and how God would choose to appoint him king. He chose the path God had for him. What he did was he chose his destination. Therefore, you today can choose your destination. You see, what's interesting here is David was the anointed king. Saul was the appointed king. And what we learn in this moment of tension, what we learn in this moment where David chooses his destination, his appropriate destination, is that if you move beyond your anointing, you will sabotage your appointing. And David recognized that. David understood that, that yes, I've been anointed, but I'm still not king. And the very God that anointed me is the God that would appoint you. I tell you today, the very God that anointed you in due time is the very God who will appoint you. So one of the interesting things here is that, you know, we hear about David. We hear how, how David got here. We, we hear what happened. We, we hear, you know, where he's coming. And we want to learn a little bit about Saul. But right before I get to, to Saul, I want to give you one more thing here about David. When it comes to the work you do for God, and this is what David realized. Hear me out. When it comes to the work you do for God, 
You want God's fingerprints on it, not yours. Not your best friends, not your mama's, only God's. You can always be at peace when you know it was God's work. Pastor and author Andy Stanley says, people who yield to God don't attempt to play God. They don't predict outcomes. Instead, they surrender, they obey, they follow. As much as they want anything, they want to be able to lie in bed at night knowing that things are good between them and their heavenly father, and rightly so. David comes out of the cave, calls out to Saul, and you can read this. This is how we know he chose his destination right. Calls out to Saul, and we read this in 1 Samuel 24, 19. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? This is Saul talking. So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king, that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. When you choose God's path, he will exalt, he will honor, he will bless. And those that stood against you will have no choice but to acknowledge what God says of you. So I told you we'd look at Saul and I don't want to lie here. I want to get through this quickly, but I want to set this up. You have two kings in the cave. The anointed king, the appointed king. We learned a little bit about Saul in 1 Samuel 13. You won't see it on the board. I'll say it, I'll say it quickly to you. Saul was the king that the people wanted. Saul was the king that the people cried out to God for. God didn't want to, to give them a king, but the people saw that the king would be better for them. So in 1 Samuel 13, we learn where things started going sideways for Saul. It says that in this moment, people were scattering. Saul was waiting on Samuel. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And and in that custom, he wasn't supposed to do that. He was supposed to wait. And Samuel says, what have you done? We read down and he says, so I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. This is Saul. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which I commanded you. For the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. This is the prophet speaking to Saul. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Let's look at Saul. He failed. He disobeyed. He lost favor. Saul responded to his company, the people. Saul chose his motivation himself, burning the offering ahead of time. And he forfeited his destination. This is before David. Now he's still king. Fast forward, 1 Samuel 15. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commands. I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Company. Pardon my sin and return me now that I may bow before the Lord. That was his motivation about himself. Samuel says, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Destination. How would you know that David has the same type of moment? The same moment. You have this same moment. The same opportunity. 
the same ability not to forfeit what God has for you. Not to throw it away, but to stand in a moment that's difficult. To stand in a moment that is challenging. To stand in the moment, even a moment of justification where you feel I can be vindicated in this moment. I have the chance to set it right. That person's hurt me. They've offended me. They've come against me. They've set out people after me. They've tried to make me look foolish. They've put a lid on my ceiling. This is my chance. You might be feeling that today. You might be thinking about that. Your heart might be arrested today. And if it's arrested, that's a good thing. But in this moment, have the ability to choose how this story plays out. You have a chance to give in to what God desires so you can make it. See, later on in that scripture where Samuel tells Saul that, you know, you've lost it. God's rejected you. God actually tells Saul through Samuel, I have provided for myself. This is God talking. I have provided for myself a king. Remember, Saul was the king the people wanted. God gave it to him. And it's something that sometimes God gives us what we want, even though he knows it's not good for us, and then we blame him afterwards. Come on. The people asked for Saul, they got Saul, but God said, I've provided for myself a king. Hear me today. You are what God has provided for himself. He's provided from, for himself you. And the only one who can forfeit it the only one who can throw it away, the only one who can let it go, the only one who can try to supersede the pace and plan for God is you. Today, I wanna challenge you, sit in that tension. Don't let it pass you by. Don't accelerate beyond it. Because if you're not in one, you're gonna have one, you're gonna have a cave moment, you and I will. And it's the decisions we make, the tensions we choose to lean into will determine our future. What will we do with these moments? Today, you may have come in and you said, David, that's great. That's cool. That's a great story. That guy, David, sounds fantastic. I'm here today. I don't know why I'm here, but I've come. But I don't have a tension about what's ahead of me. I have a tension right now. I haven't given in to God. You might have come in here today not knowing what to do with God. Not knowing what to do with the person named Jesus. Not knowing what to do to give your heart wholly to him. To give over control, to give over all things in your life to him so he can set your path right. You may have come in here today not knowing what to do with that. And if that's you today, I want you to know that's the right kind of attention. But today you don't have to leave without giving it your attention. Today you don't have to leave undecided. 
Today, you don't have to leave with unfinished business. Now, the rest of you might have come in here today and said, man, David, you just don't know how difficult what I have before me is. You don't know how hard I've tried. You don't know how much I've battled and you don't know, you have no idea. No idea, no clue what they've done. So what they've said, you haven't experienced my pain. You haven't endured the shame. You have not endured that. So David, how can you tell me to stop? Because you can't afford not to stop. Can't afford not to just lean in for another moment. To allow God to prove you victorious. Today is that day. Today is that moment. I invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me. Today, first, if you've come in here and something's just touched your heart, you've paused and, and, and it stretched you, and you say, you know what, today is the day that I'm gonna accept Jesus. Today is the day that you know what, I'm going to do it. God, I've heard you, God, I hear you, God, this is the tension. And I choose to lean into it and not leave here as I came. All you have to do, it's this simple, is to acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God who came to earth a holy God who died for the remission of your sins, who shed his blood so that you can be saved. All you have to do is accept that. Accept him as Lord. Give him control of your life. And he will lead you the rest of your path. And if that's you today, if you can just let it be known by the lifting of your hand quickly, quickly, no one's looking around. Amen, amen, amen. Wow, awesome, awesome. And for us today, let us be challenged to sit in the arresting of our heart, to check those around us that though they mean well, sometimes can steer us the wrong way, to check our hearts to why we desire to be and do where we want to go, so that ultimately we can end up where God has set destiny over our lives. Let us pay attention to that tension and forever be different. Let let me pray for us. Lord, we worship you, God, we thank you. God, I thank you for those that accepted you today in their hearts, those that have forever changed their lives, those that have now set the course, the trajectory of their life, heaven bound. Be with them, equip them, strengthen them. Lord, for those of us that are dealing with attention, let us lean into it, but lean into you to hear your voice, to rest on your promises, to carry out what you have for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. Amen.